We are going to be uh, trekking through the book of Acts right now, looking at the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And in this section, we're going to be surprised to see the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit, whether in the book of Acts or as we get to in the book of Ephesians. It's not always what the the general population, uh, church-going, garden-variety Christian believes. Typically, when you think of... Uh, the filling, the baptism, the overflowing work of the Holy Spirit. You think, oh, well, they're speaking in tongues and healing and all those kind of things, uh, miraculous sign gifts happening. But let's look at the book of Acts, chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 19, and let's trek through quickly the book of Acts and see each time there's a indication that the Holy Spirit come upon or filled or baptized an individual, what was the result and I think that's a great uh, lesson to see the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Let's dive in. I hope you're ready. We're continuing with the empowering work of the Holy Spirit and looking at the results of being filled with the Spirit or the coming upon experience or being baptized in the Spirit. What are the results? And so we've we've taken a look at a couple of those results, and let's continue in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and, uh, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so the verse, one verse to remember or to recall, or we must uh, talk about when it comes to the Holy Spirit is this phrase, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And um, we have to be able to turn to scripture when we see a work of the Holy Spirit or even a so-called work of the Holy Spirit in the church world, in the world around us, when it's said it's the Holy Spirit, we have to say, well, this is what you're seeing. This is that which was spoken of in the word. And if we can't say that, I stay away from it. And that's a easy for you and I, theologically astute, Bible students. But when you're a when you're a church pastor and you rub elbows with uh, the garden variety Christian and the general population, they're very easily swayed into whatever feels good, looks good, sounds good, makes sense pragmatically. And if they're a feeling oriented person and they go to a charismatic church, uh, and there's, you know, the holy laughter or any oddity that might be intriguing. Um, they're not able to evaluate it because a lot of people are biblically, not biblically literate. And so you have to remind people often and over and over again. And if Jesus did not teach it or practice it or uh, in the epistles, the early church, uh, did not teach it or practice it, or the apostles did not teach it or practice it. Um, you know, we've got to be careful. And this verse, I love it. And I turn here 
but this is what was spoken by the prophet. And so I always say that that's kind of my, <laughs> my place to turn, my place to go is let's let the word of God determine. And if it's not there, stay away from it. A lot of people say, well, you can't put God in a box. Yes, but God can put me in a box. And he boxes me in with his word, doctrinally, theologically. And I kind of liken it to a guardrail. You know, here in Colorado, we've got a lot of ravines and river valleys and, and um, you know, the Glenwood Canyon. Beautiful, gorgeous. And the I-70 flies through it and there's some danger there. And if it weren't for the guardrails, it'd be even more dangerous. And so I think the scriptures guard us from going off the cliff theologically. Let's look at some more verses in um, chapter 2, verse 22 through 24, and see what the point of this passage is. Men of Israel hear these words. Uh, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter uh, 2, verses 22 to 24. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him, and uh, God did through God the Son. God the Father did God through God the Son. I think that's neat. Uh, he did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death. Wow. I just noticed sovereignty of God and the free will and choices of man in that gathered together in that one verse there. Determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Uh, you know, God knew that he needed to put his son on the cross and he knew it was going to happen. He determined it ahead of time. We'll get to that in another study when we talk about those two apparent contradictory truths, uh, yet they appear that way. Doesn't mean they are contradictory in God's eyes. Let's move on. But, but you took him by lawless hands and crucified him, put him to death, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And so what's happening here is there's a new heaven sent boldness to proclaim the risen Christ. And I think this here uh, is what is going on with the coming upon experience of the Holy Spirit. Peter standing up, being bold and proclaiming the risen Lord Jesus Christ. This came from the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Here's Peter standing up preaching. Just to think about this. Think about Peter a few days prior denying the Lord, cursing, running, hiding. What happened to this man? Now he's standing before multitudes saying Jesus is risen. And it's because God had said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And uh, not long before, Peter was afraid to even identify with Christ being crucified. And now he's standing preaching to the multitudes that this Jesus that I used to follow, you killed him. And after he was buried, God raised him. The Spirit of God coming upon Peter. Pretty beautiful, if you ask me. Love it, love it, love it. Marching through the book of Acts, and here we're going to see uh, this boldness, this heaven-sent boldness pr to proclaim the risen Christ. This is the result often 
that we see as being filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's there's Peter, Acts 1.8, is being fulfilled. The Holy Spirit come upon Peter, and the evidence of a filling of baptism and overflowing of the Holy Spirit is to proclaim the risen Christ. This man who recently denied Jesus, fled and hid from the soldiers and the people. And so a great evidence and result of the fullness of the Holy Spirit is boldness to proclaim the risen Christ. Look for it in your life and the lives of others. And you can say, there is evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, 8. Then Peter, listen, filled with the Holy Spirit or having just been filled. This is another time, another day, another place. Another afresh filling. Peter brought in before the authorities, filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, said to them, it's another place, another day, another time. Rulers of the people of the elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, who God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. And uh, and then, you know, Peter's not done. He said, uh, this one, Jesus, who healed the man, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, uh, which has become the chief cornerstone. This is the one like you tossed aside this man and killed the stone that holds the temple together, God's temple. I mean, talk about boldness. Then he goes further, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, which we must be saved. Again, Peter, same Peter, but filled again. And even more boldness, and right before the religious leaders of the day, uh, the very power center of that culture. I mean, no tougher place to fulfill Acts 1, 8 and be a witness than where Peter is standing and witnessing. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so here it is documented in the scripture, in the book of Acts already, one person who's been filled a second time with the Holy Spirit. We're continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. These guys filled on the day of Pentecost, filled for uh, overflowing for this mission uh, again before these religious leaders. And I don't want to underestimate right now, even this moment, this second, you know, maybe you need a pause and I need a fresh filling, a continual true boldness. Uh, and it needs to be a, a full Holy Spirit work. Um, same thinking. Let's go a little bit further. Let's keep trekking through the book of Acts, Acts chapter four, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. The authorities brought them in and said, stop witnessing, persecuted them. And they said, well, we, we're going to obey God rather than man. And so that was their answer. And uh, look at Acts chapter 5, verse 25 and following. They're out witnessing. The authorities say don't witness. They're not going to stop. And, uh, you know, I'm submissive to authorities, for to the police, to the government, and so forth. But if any authority, um, God-ordained, like government or leadership or whatever, ask us things to do things contrary to the will of God, 
I have to obey God, not man. And so I often tell my my congregation or I tell people if they ever made uh, preaching, teaching, talking about Jesus and the resurrection illegal, I would be uh, you'd have to come and visit me in prison. And uh, we got to obey God, not man. And that was their attitude, uh, you know, and they came to pray. Uh, and that's what's interesting about their prayer is it wasn't for protection, but for boldness. And they prayed God would give them boldness. Is that how we pray? And uh, when they prayed, the place they were assembled was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So at least for Peter, the third time he is being filled and just it's neat to see this uh, baptism of the spirit or this filling or overflowing of the spirit is to be more than a one-time experience. And uh, I think, you know, like me, there was a time when it first happened when I received the spiritual gift of my prayer language of tongues, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, another faith by the same spirit, another gift of healings. Uh, but one in the same spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one as he wills. And we'll look more at spiritual gifts if the Lord wills later when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I mean, that's going to be a, a deep dive study. Um, but the filling of the spirit is just the point is it's not a, just an event oriented it's a way of life and you know i remember you know i was in the army and uh as uh one of my friends took me to a church and i thought you know i was baby baby believer and i thought man these guys know hebrew actually they're all speaking in tongues i thought they knew some sort of ancient biblical language or something it was really kind of odd to me to see it but it, it there, there was something going on there there's something real that was happening in their lives. And I, I think they they may have been, you know, they may have misunderstood. They might have been doing it wrong. But I was touched by, by the love, and it seemed like a love for the Lord. And I went home that night, and I said, you know, Lord, I want that love. I want what they had. And I prayed for a baptism of the Holy Spirit on my army bunk, that, you know, that itchy, um, you know, kind of uh, olive drab, uh, you know, uh, bed spread, I guess is what I'm looking, the word I'm looking for, bed spread. It was like itchy olive. It was warm, but the thing is, and there I am kneeled on my my polished floor. You know, you got a, you got a tile floor or, or uh, you know, that's all waxed and polished and you, everything's metal in there. I'm in the dorm room and, you know, we got two people in my room and, and I'm there by myself. The other guy's out doing what he's doing. And I came home after this church service and I knelt down and I prayed and I asked God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I asked him for the gift of tongues and, and I began to speak in tongues and I sensed the presence of God. It was powerfully awesome. And yet I have needed to be filled to overflowing over and over. That one time event is memorable. But other events were uh, memorable uh, as well. It's It's been a way of life. And, you know, I, I think this study has revealed to me that I'm not walking in the fullness of the Spirit as much as um, is available to me. And, and so I'm praying even now, and if you wouldn't mind praying for me, 
because to do the work that God has called me to do, it requires the fullness of the spirit to, to wage spiritual warfare, to walk in all that God has for my life, for my family, for my extended church family, for you, my Bible students, and so forth. I need the fullness of the Spirit, and I'm being reminded that I need a fresh infilling. Let's uh, let's pause here, and uh, I think we we covered the Book of Acts, but I think we got no, we got more. We got Acts chapter nine, Acts chapter ten, and Acts chapter nineteen. Let's see what else do we have here. So let's let's take a, a, a pause here and then we'll jump in to the rest of the book of Acts. All right, let's keep on going. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And we're talking about the evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit. As described in the book of Acts, uh, but let's take a detour and go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and then we'll jump right back into the book of Acts. But this here uh, relates to and has uh, much context uh, with the book of Acts. It says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. And it, as we've been talking that. Being filled with the Spirit is just not event-oriented. It's to be a way of life that we see in the book of Acts. It's not just for when we feel aware that we need it. It can be and should be and is available to be a way of life to learn to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. And like I just said, I need uh, to be reminded of this. I need to walk in this in a greater capacity. And I think Ephesians chapter 5 is a great reminder to be continually being filled. We need a life of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, the work that God has given me needs his power. I'm needy. I'm a needy person. And so I desire and choose that he would fill me. God, I reject my human strength even now by prayer. God, I choose you. I reject human earthly power. I want, Lord, your power. Uh, you died to give it to me. And may I not, Lord, ever underestimate, undervalue your power. May I not be too proud to think I have something more to offer in my own ability. Lord, fill me with your spirit. And that's my prayer. And that's my prayer for you, Lord. I do pray for my students that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. And that you would always fill them. Amen. Always being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, now, when you look at the book of Acts, you see events. And where the Holy Spirit, that's where he came and he filled them. And does God bless us that way at times? Yes. And it's a great blessing. Uh, when we're gathered with other believers... Have you ever been in maybe an afterglow or just in a in a church service and there's this special anointing and filling and flowing of the Holy Spirit? I need times like those. I, I've missed that moving to Colorado. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of like out in the middle of nowhere, away from my church friends and family, at least the church leaders. Uh, 
that I used to be living with and around when I worked and lived and uh, was at the Bible college for those many years and was out at Costa Mesa. And, you know, I called that uh, whole Southern California area Christian Disneyland, whether you've got K-Wave, you got all the great Bible teachers and and ministries. You move away from that, I tell you. Um, Any time you gather together and there's a spirit-filled moment those are valuable they they're need they're, those are times i need and there are times that i go through uh, trials and testings and um uh, and i need the filling and uh, but there are times at the church or individuals in the church um there's exceptionally great things that god does during those times and it's neat because there's times when it happens and we don't ask for it and you can't control it really. I mean, it's not like you can, it's on demand. Um, and the Holy spirit fills individuals for their everyday walk and all around the world day by day that they're a witness. Have you ever met them? Uh, the filling of the spirit happens. And so it's it multifaceted the way it happens. And, uh, you know, one example for me, I'm just going to kind of take a detour here for a minute. And I remember being called here to Colorado and there was a new ministry that was, um, you know, offered to me. And I knew I needed God's ability and power that if I was going to do something like this, it was way beyond me. It was, it was stepping out of a very fruitful ministry that I loved and into a new different from the known to the unknown. And a lot of it did not make sense. And a lot of people said, don't go, Jeff. Um, and, and I would say, God, it doesn't make sense. And, and, you know, I'm bearing fruit here at the Bible college. And I don't want to go to the middle of nowhere. And yet the Lord speak, spoke to me in John 15, too. He says, every branch that bears fruit, I prune, that it may bear more fruit. And so I shared that uh passage with pastor chuck you know he used to come out for what we called um friday lectures and once in a while i would ride back to costa mesa because i taught out there at the uh, bible college extension campus in um in uh, costa mesa on saturdays and so if there was a free ride and then i would get home another way but i would jump in in the car with Chuck and drive out there. And this time I needed to drive with him so I could have an uninterrupted hour and a half conversation. And I shared this. I said, the Lord spoke to me. Yeah, Jeff, you're bearing fruit, but every branch that bears fruit, I prune. I said, I didn't like that part. He goes, oh yeah, but that it may bear more fruit. And I said, yeah, I read the rest of it. And you know, that still didn't help my fear from the pruning, you know, and yet, uh, God showed me that the ministry here in Colorado was going to have battles and hardships. It was, it was the decision I made. It was how much a, a pastor friend of mine asked me this question. How, if you're making a decision, how much of the cross is in it? And I said, Oh boy, don't, you know, I said, yeah, it's there. He goes, well, don't run from it. Don't hide from it. And I knew that, there would be a time of pruning and I knew there would be a time of bearing more fruit. 
And so I knew apart from him, I could do nothing in the ministry. And that's the same idea we're studying here. It, it, it was a really anointed season when uh, that moment I needed him so desperately and he came through and he walked with me every step of the way. And uh, it's an abiding in Christ. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it happens as we abide in Christ without him. We can't do any ministry or serve. And it's relation, relational dependence on the Lord. And um, the amazing thing here, they were assembled in Acts chapter 4. They cried out in prayer in the midst of persecution, and they prayed for boldness. They weren't asking to be filled with the Spirit. They were asking for boldness. And so it's like you can't have this formula of getting filled with the Spirit. You can't even write it down and, you know, try to say, well, this is how you pray and this is what you do and this is what posture you need to be in. I mean, they were asking for boldness. God says, okay, I'll send you boldness and here's how it comes by the work of my spirit overflowing you, emboldening in you. And they were filled and many were there from Pentecost and more boldness concerning the word of God. And so in Acts chapter 9, let's keep going through this. Acts chapter 9, verse 17 to 22, Ananias went his way and entered in the house, laying his hands on him, brother Saul. And yeah, poor Ananias, uh, you know, Saul was persecuting the church. What kind of assignment is that as God would send him? Go talk to Saul uh, he's now a brother. Yeah, right. He's been killing Christians, jailing, dragging them to jail. You want me to go talk to that guy? Yeah, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you. And so he shows up. He appeared to you on the road uh, as you came. And he sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul sent some days with, uh, spent some days with the disciples at Damascus.